Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined, as always, by the man who I like to think I'm in my own little group with. <laughs> we get together every fortnight to discuss what we've watched in the week and give our opinions. It's a bit like what we're going to be discussing today, but with less cake, naked pool parties and heroin. It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? I'm really well. Uh, really well. Um, yeah, Good. Looking forward to... I'm glad one of us is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward <laughs> to discussing uh, today's TV show that we're reviewing. Um, otherwise, yeah, all is well. I'm counting down to a bit. I've got a lot of travel coming up in May. Um, as we're just discussing, yeah. I've got a bit of a, bit of a US tour of Denver, Arizona and Orlando. But before that, I've got to go to fucking Saudi Arabia for two nights um, the week after next. Ah, so. so you're going from one magic kingdom to another, effectively. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going from a not-so-magic kingdom, potentially, to uh, the magic kingdom in Orlando. But I suspect not, because we're there for work. Well, I am going to the magic kingdom in Paris in the summer with my family. Ah. So I am. Uh, so I was watching uh, some videos on YouTube yesterday uh, about Disneyland Paris. I've got to be honest, <laughs> I'm not that excited about it, to be honest. When the, the, no. the vlogger cheerfully describing how you can wait two hours, up to two hours in a queue for a ride, does not sound like something that I'll be up for doing. I think if we're going to do it, we'll have to buy um, the fast passes because um, I, I don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, we're going to have a few days in Paris itself. And they, well, the kids haven't been at Disneyland and soon they'll be too old for it. So to get, go yeah. before they go while they're still interested, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah, we'd thought about that because it's only a few hours from us on the train. Mm-hmm. And I'd said, yeah, we need to go to Disneyland Paris. And I, I looked it up and looked in the rides and stuff and I was like I don't know if it's worth it really <laughs> um, I did see that there is a, a Marvel land due to be opening this summer that's right yeah but I, I don't know there, there was no date of when it was going to be opening so hopefully it's uh, up and running for when you get there but yeah I, I looked and I was like uh, I don't know I, I kind of I quite fancy the idea maybe Maybe we'll go and uh, have a look and see what it's like. Yeah, I've been to Disneyland before, not the not the Paris one, but when uh, my wife and I were on our honeymoon uh, years ago, before we had the kids, we had a few days in uh, Los Angeles, and we went to the first. We went to Universal Studios first, and shows that I've not changed very much in fifteen years. I said, look, I don't want to be standing about in queue rides all fucking day. It's too hot. Let's. <laughs> so we spent like an extra two hundred and fifty dollars and bought fast passes, but we were there in March, so there was no queues anyway. So we would we wouldn't have had to wait very long for anything. So then. The next day, we went to Disneyland and we decided not to bother buying Fast Passes, thinking it would be like Universal Studios. And it wasn't. Evidently, Disneyland is much, much more popular in the spring than um, Universal Studios is. And we spent quite a lot of time standing about in, in, in lines. So Ah, there you go. There you Lesson go. learned. Lesson learned, indeed. So yeah, I need to try and... Um, find out how to show my kids a good time in Disneyland Paris and keep my patience <laughs> and not spoil the holiday. <laughs> I'm sure you'll manage. I'm sure you'll be fine. So yeah, so how are you? You're almost recovered from your bout of the Rona. Yeah, my apologies, listener, if my voice sounds a little bit different. Um, I'm currently recovering from COVID. So that's a wonderful experience that's been this last week. Yeah, my wife had it first and then obviously I got it. So uh, yeah, getting there on the end not quite fully fighting fit as yet but uh 
we're getting there. So second time. So it's uh, that's a charm. <laughs> so uh, uh, hopefully if I get it a third time, I think I get to keep it. So that's uh, <laughs> something to look forward to. So classic symptoms, no smell, no taste. Uh, no, I've been okay. My wife, she lost her sense of uh, taste and smell. Uh, it's just coming back now. I retained mine, but whenever I, everything I smelled or tasted, it had like a, the only way I could describe it, it was like I was smelling like anything through like, you know, a wet ashtray. Right. Smell. Yeah. And it tasted like I was eating it out of a wet ashtray. Right. Not, not the nicest, so, uh, but never mind. But yeah, we're getting there. So hopefully in a few days time, I'll be back fighting fit. It's been a bit of a nightmare because the last week or so, the weather here has been beautiful and I haven't been able to go outside. So uh, yeah, I've still got uh, three days before I can technically go out and about. Right. So uh, And I'm sticking to it. Yeah. I'm being a very responsible person and, uh, and not going out. So never mind. But... The good news is, whilst I've been ill, it's given me plenty of time to have a look at what's been going on in Scotland. So, uh, yeah, well, shall we? Uh, shall we have a look? Yeah. What's been happening? On that seamless segue, cue the jingle. <laughs> This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, Greg, uh, what have you seen this week in Scotland that has caught your eye? Uh, well, my first one um, is a food story. So, like we, well, we, we, we like a good uh, food story on the Swally. We've both had quite a few over the last almost two years that we've been doing the podcast. This one uh, is from Glasgow Live on the 18th of April. Um, The headline is Iron Brew Battered Square Sausage in a Rainbow Bun Hits a Cafe near Glasgow. So there's a picture of it. If you you can imagine a rainbow bun in your mind, you'll have exactly (laughs) what it is. The picture has what looks like a potato scone on a bed of tomato ketchup cut in half. And then Mm -hmm. stacked on top of that is the Iron Brew Battered Square Sausage. And then another squish of um, tomato sauce and then the lids of the bun. It says, a Glasgow cafe has unveiled a bizarre new colourful creation to brighten up your breakfast. Legends Bar in Canvas Lang has unveiled the iron brew battered square sausage with potato scone topped with cheese and tomato sauce in a rainbow coloured bun. They shared a snap of the new menu edition and we'll be honest, we're not sure how to feel about it. But there's no denying that it stands out. Legends have written, Not for the faint-hearted. Introducing the Legends-only burger. Cheesy, iron-brew battered, square sausage, potato scone and tomato sauce. You can find out what else they've got on offer at uh, the Legends Bar and Diner. Uh, There's a link which I'll stick in the in the Instagram if you want to go and have a look. But yeah, we've had uh, iron-brew battered pakora on the Swally before. Well, you and I haven't eaten it. We've read stories about it. Yeah. You're, you are obviously a, pesc- a pescatarian these days. Is that fair to... Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah, I'd say yeah, even less. I'm kind of... Yeah, hardly even eat fish now. You don't eat, fi- you don't eat fish much at all? No, hardly. Yeah, I've kind of gone off that as well. So yeah, not... not- often so no i uh, i wouldn't be having this iron brew square sausage as we've discussed in this valley before i'm not a fan of square sausage oh, anyway yeah it gives you heartburn. Gives me heartburn yeah yeah i can't understand it yeah always gives me heartburn so a, a proper link sausage is fine but yeah square sausage no so i can imagine mixing that with iron brew 
No, probably wouldn't be for me. Well, it's, it's a strange combination because it's like square sausage has got a lot of um, like seasoning and stuff in it and like spices and whatnot. Mm. And iron brew is obviously incredibly sweet. So yeah, I'm not sure. And then the potato scone and cheese, like... I don't know how you feel about, or how you historically you would have felt about cheese on a like a battered sort of thing. It doesn't. It's a bit of a strange combination, right? Yeah, not really a fan. I know. I remember I used to work with a woman, and she used to always have like cheese on her bacon roll oh, and stuff. Yeah, and rank. I just like what, and I couldn't imagine having like a cheese and sausage sandwich. Yeah. just seems bizarre to me i mean if it was a burger then obviously you know i'd rather have cheese on a burger than not yeah but yeah to have it on like bacon or sausage just sounds very strange i mean that's a that's a hefty meal that they're serving up there if it's got a potato scone and cheese yeah i'll put a picture on on twitter i'll put the picture on twitter so listeners who don't live in the UK or Glasgow even can um, can see what it looks like. Yeah, and the potato scone. I mean, it, it's just it, I don't know. I mean, it's clearly like sort of chippy ketchup. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It looks in the picture. It looks a wee bit um, a wee bit loose. You know, like it doesn't look like it's come out of a glass bottle in your kitchen cupboard. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. So that's going to be quite vinegary as well. Mm. So you're going to have like the vinegar mixing with the sweetness, of the iron brew, and the the bread and the cheese. That sounds like a oh no, I wouldn't want to be uh, on the toilet with that the next day. <laughs> yeah, and like it doesn't really explain why they've chosen a rainbow coloured bun because. I'd imagine that it just tastes like a bun, but it's the put yeah. like food colouring in it to make it all swirly. I don't know. Hey, at least they've tried something. I mean, I, I guess a rainbow bun's quite difficult to make as well, getting mm. all the food colouring right yeah. and making sure it all goes in the, the same area. That's going to be... Uh, to me, I would look at that and think that that bun's going to be sweet. But as you say, maybe it's just food colouring and it's not sweet. It just tastes normal. But you would think it would have a slightly different texture to it of some sort. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I've seen... Because I work in food. So I've seen like uh, charcoal buns they don't taste of anything they're just black mm. they're just black buns that's it okay um, yeah there's no flavor like ma brune used to make <laughs> yeah ma brune's black buns anyway that's my first story this week what's your first story for this episode uh, my first story is from the daily record this week and it's about a ditzy scots family who fear they're the talk of the town after reporting a car and two dogs missing before remembering where they'd left them. Uh, Elaine, <laughs> Elaine Hodgson, 58, was frantic on Thursday morning when she looked out of her window uh, of her home in Kelty, Fife, to find that her white Ford Fiesta had been stolen through the night. The distraught gran of four called police and completed an incident form whilst panicked loved ones launch a search party via social media. But just 20 minutes after calling the cops... Elaine, a social care worker, was alerted to a motor, similar to hers, parked outside her son's house a couple of streets away. The car was indeed Elaine's, who had parked at her son's house the night before, popped in to say hello, and then walked home, (laughs) totally forgetting her movements. (laughs) Elaine's overnight amnesia left the family in stitches, including her 30-year-old daughter, Danielle. The dog groomer told the record, My mum is usually so on it. But this was something else. My dad phoned me on Thursday in a panic, saying, Mum's lost the car, but she's got the keys, so we don't know what's happened. I love that his instance is, she's lost the car. Not that it's been stolen. Fife's been bad for stolen cars recently, so I went into social media straight away. We were so worried. 
Shortly after alerting the police, David's ex-partner spotted a white Ford outside David's house and everything (laughs) fell into place. (laughs) Scoffing at her mum's hilarious blunder, Danielle said, Oh, my mum phoned the police back straight away. It was hilarious. Uh, Yeah, wasting police time. Hilarious. Uh, She often goes to David's after visiting her mum, who lives nearby. So it was so close to her house. How she walked right by it and all the way home, we do not know. But it's the pot calling the kettle black for Danielle Gregg, who herself had a moment of forgetfulness. (laughs) Upon returning home from the supermarket on Tuesday, Danielle was greeted by her husband Craig, 32, and their two young children. But her beloved border collies, Blue and Flossie, were nowhere to be seen. My dogs are like my babies, so I went into total panic mode, she added. Craig thought they must have escaped out of the back garden. So I got in my car and headed to the local park. Craig asked our neighbours to watch the kids and he went out searching too. It wasn't until Danielle took to social media, social media is their saviour here, uh, that she realised where they'd gone. I asked on a Facebook group, has anyone seen my dogs? To which our dog walker replied, yeah, they're safe, they're with me. They were out with the dog walker. (laughs) Craig had seen them off. So her husband has seen them off. And then 20 minutes later, his wife's come home. Where's the dogs? He's like, oh, fuck, I don't know. They must have escaped out the back garden. He'd totally forgotten that he'd done it. And I forgot that it was dog walking time. We were in such a panic that neither of us realised. So that's two times this week I've gone on Facebook asking for help to find dogs in a car. And both times we've just forgotten where they were. We're definitely the talk of the town in Kelty. I was so embarrassed but it's hilarious at the same time. Uh, police confirmed that there was a small investigation into the stolen vehicle, but it was only for 20 minutes. <laughs> so um, I'd, I'd like to give a plea to this family. Can you please install like a carbon monoxide um, say, yeah. sensor in your house? Because <laughs> this is quite concerning. I've, uh, I, I mean, that's uh, okay. I, I can understand maybe parking your car and forgetting where you parked it, but to go you know, to your son's house two streets away, Surely that's going to be your first thought. It's like, oh, I left it last night. Of course, I must have done. And you would at least go and check before you phone the police. Um, and as for the dogs, I don't even know where to begin with that in terms of that. <laughs> I do love, as I said, our husband's reaction of uh, mum's lost the car. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask, is, uh, do we think there's been some sort of like chemical spill in Kelty or something like that? Or some kind of inv- Possibly, yeah. invasion of the body snatchers, perhaps? <laughs> a, a very strange uh, situation. But, I mean, have you ever forgotten where you've parked your car or lost your car or anything i've never lost my car i mean i've there's been a few times you know you know yourself when the malls are like in the middle east mm. you got to make a bit of a mental note if you park in one of the big car yeah. parks um <laughs> yeah t- take a photograph of the parking space codes and everything but yeah i mean i've never i've never like they parked up somewhere and then gone home to bed and forgotten about it. And I was just wondering if Elaine perhaps had a few glasses of wine at her son's and decided to be a responsible citizen and leave her car at home. Uh, leave her car there and come back for it the next day. And it's had a bit of uh, perhaps sherry-induced amnesia or something like that, you know. I mean, I have heard of people that have done that in terms of, you know, they parked their car maybe in town, gone out on the piss... And then the next day, woken up and went, oh, shit, where's my car? And then they haven't been able to remember where they've actually parked it. Right. But again, I can't understand that. Surely you would remember. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I knew I parked it there. So that was where, unless maybe they'd had a few before they'd parked their car. But obviously we'd, we don't know about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. 
Very strange, but that's the uh, that's the goings on in Kelty. Yeah, I think we we should maybe investigate, as you say, if there's there's more to this than yeah. meets the eye. Some sort of government social experiment or something like that. <laughs> I think so. There's been some sort of big flashpoint at Kelty. So if we investigate <laughs> that, there was maybe a some sort of alien spacecraft landing, and the government have just wiped everyone's memory for for that day or so. Maybe. So it's like the Kelty Cuckoos, bit of a deep cut there, like the Midwich Cuckoos. It's the book that Village of the Damned is based on. There you go. There you go. That is indeed a deep cut, Greg. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, Okay, so what else have you seen this week? Uh, Well, on the last episode, available uh, right now, whenever you get your podcasts, you had a story about the most popular baby names in Scotland in 2021. Yes. Well, I've got... Wrath. Wrath and Mate. Yep. I have found a bit of a companion uh, article to that one. This one is uh, mums, mums sharing their 10 worst baby names, leaving other parents raging. A list of the apparent 10 worst names to call your newborn has been revealed. And given how popular a lot of the names are, it's bound to upset a lot of parents. So I guess I should probably put a bit of a good character protection uh, disclaimer here. This isn't our opinion, although we may have some opinions. But, you know, if, if your baby's called any of uh, these names, you know, we're not we're not having a go. So the article starts, Choosing baby names can feel like an impossible task for expecting parents because obviously it's a long-term decision and you don't want to get it wrong much like getting a tattoo. However, the parents of Mumsnet have come together to list some of the worst baby names that they've heard, and it's likely to upset a lot of people as many of the names are considered ordinary. The list was shared in all its glory on the Tinternet uh, is a follow to the question, what would you never name a child and why? So number one is Mia. So can you imagine why Mia is getting pelters? Uh, I don't know. Mia Farrow? No, it's 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 because it's abbreviated it means missing in action so that's the first one ah okay number two you you might get this one lana why do you think lana is not a popular l-a-n-a is it it because a lana wolf uh no (laughs) featured in our podcast a few times (laughs) it's it's because spelt backwards. Oh, <laughs> oh! So it would be awkward. I, I have, you know, I have seen that. There's a famous photo that does the rounds of a girl um, that got her name on the back of a football top, Lana Seven, right. and she's posting in a mirror, and she took the selfie, and it says anal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, so now, I've seen that. Yeah, okay. Obviously, in the. <laughs> In the case of Lana Wolf, we can't, you know, we, we don't know if she's up for that or not. Number three. <laughs> she is. <laughs> she definitely probably is. Uh, number three is uh, Fanny, for, obviously for obvious reasons. Understandable. Four, this is a bit of a snobby one, is Grace, because apparently there are a few accents that pronounce Grace gracefully. Hmm, don't know about that. Okay. There's clutching at straws yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Five is Amelia. Because uh, one of the mums finds the the me and Amelia quite whiny. The 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 only boy's name uh, on the list here, number six, is Graham. Apparently, because it sounds like Graham. No, it doesn't. It sounds like Graham. It, it, it's spelled G R A H A M. So I suppose spelled, it looks a bit like Graham. But you don't pronounce it that way. Number seven, flora, because apparently it makes uh, some of the mums think of bacteria, like flora and fauna, I guess. I don't know. Right. Number eight. I thought it would have been because it sp- spreads easily. It would have been my <laughs> <It's> guess. <but laughs> <I guess. laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, a much better reason uh, because it spreads easily. Yep. <laughs> number eight. Number eight is Alexa because it sounds too much like the virtual assistant. I can understand that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, number nine, uh, Mercedes, because one parent said mm. she's a child, not a car. Clearly. And number ten, the last one is uh, Luna because apparently Luna. Is a pet's name. So, so those right, are. Okay. So, according to Mumsnet, they're the 10 worst baby names in 2021. Uh, unfortunately, three of the names actually appear in the top 10 most popular baby names for 2022, <laughs> proving that people aren't uh, being put off. Uh, it doesn't say which which three are the most popular, but I, if I was having a guess, I would probably say Lana, Amelia, and maybe, I don't know, Grace. My little niece is called Grace. I think some of these people are clutching at straws with the, the way they have. I mean, I, I can understand there are certain names that you will have an irrational hatred of. Yeah. Like, if I had a kid, I'm, I'm never going to call it mark hately or something but i i mean even if like people you went to school with and you're thinking i'm not going to call my kid wayne because that guy wayne at school was a yeah a knob and plus who who calls a kid wayne anyway i know but uh, unless you're scottish and you're referring to it as a wayne not yeah wayne but uh yeah i think this sounds like a lot of it is kind of personal hatred and they're just trying to to wrap it up as a, a sort of discussion on Crap names. It sounds like a lot of women that have got too much time in their hands, <laughs> to me. Well, indeed, yes. <laughs> Maybe their kids are at school age now and they're finding that they've got, you know, they've got the whole day to themselves and nothing really to fill it with. We should maybe post on there and say that we've been discussing this and get them to fill some of their time by listening to the back catalogue of the Culture Swally. I'm sure they would really enjoy some of the uh, discussion points that we I'm have. Sure they would. Sure Could they become would. a mum's net favourite. There you go. They should, um, I think... Scottish mums should make their own mums net and call it like Mick Mums Net or something like that because I think the banter would be good on a Scottish mums um, mums net type. Yeah, thing. like Moz Net. Moz Net, be, yeah, that's better. Yeah, be better than Mick Mums Net. My mum net's a bit stereotypical. Greg, come on, Moz Net's all right. Right after this podcast, I'll check and see if that uh, URL is available, and uh, we can set up Moz Net. <laughs> Moz Net. <laughs> Uh, okay, that was my second story from Scotland this week. What is your next story? Uh, this is something that often crops up on the Swally, and I do like it. It's, it's part of my favourite news stories. It's when like takeaways fight back. Oh or yeah, yeah. When people live leave like scathing reviews for takeaways. So this is the uh, the <laughs> the aptly named best kebab shop in uh, in Glasgow. So uh, this is from the Scottish Sun this week. Uh, a Scots takeaway owner has hit back at scathing online reviews. Branding customers, pillocks and mugs. <laughs> the the Glasgow Kebab Shop has been hit with horrendous reviews about their food and service on both TripAdvisor and Google. Best Kebab on Dundas Street ranks last place on TripAdvisor <laughs> out of the city's 252 <laughs> takeaway eateries. It also has a score of 1.8 on Google. I mean, you've got to be pretty bad to be there. Disappointed customers have hit out at the takeaway, claiming it is the worst in Glasgow and that they wouldn't recommend it to their worst enemy. <laughs> One raging customer took to the review site to claim that his food was like forkfuls of euthanasia. <laughs> The review read, a large kebab with Donner meat. Meat, they called it. I like to call it forkfuls of euthanasia. <laughs> they continued, it's a risky game eating here. I've rolled... <laughs> it's, a it's, a, it's a risky game eating here. I rolled the dice and lost. <laughs> 
<laughs> Another angered diner demanded that Best Kebab change their name. Um, as they said, it was absolutely honking. A rubbish kebab. <laughs> what a dispute. Just looking at it. Change your shop name now. <laughs> a third wrote, I was met with, frankly, the worst customer service I've ever experienced, charging more for my meal than they stated on the menu, and a very rude persona. I will avoid this place the next time I'm in Glasgow City <laughs> Centre. Learn some manners. <laughs> uh, the takeaway owner... <laughs> has not taken the criticism lying down (laughs) and has hit back at customers who left negative reviews on Google. They branded one punter a fat arse whilst (laughs) barring him from the kebab shop. (laughs) They replied to another review saying, you don't know anything, you pillock. You're barred. (laughs) Another reply said, uneducated mug. You're barred. Uh, the most recent review the owner replied to was posted two months ago, and they have only replied to reviews on Google. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, I do love the... Um, I think the reviews were better than the comebacks. <laughs> <laughs> How upset would you have to be to go on to TripAdvisor to review a kebab shop? Because, like, we, we, spoke, we spoke about this a few weeks, a few episodes ago on the Culture yeah. Swally. And we're talking about, I think it was the lady who was let in Falkirk who, who they put the wrong sauce in her kebab and evidently oh. ruined her life. But, you know, you, generally you buy a kebab after having a few beers. And if yeah. it's, if it's, you know, like, you know, when you and I were living our glory days in Aberdeen, you know, we had a couple of favourites if we try that we would go to and after an evening out. And if there was any shite ones, yeah. you, if we went somewhere and it was shite, but they call us to go back there, it's shite. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, you just don't go back. Yeah. Um, it's a, a trial and error. You know you're going to get a shit kebab from certain places. So if it comes to it, my viewpoint would be, you know your takeaways. So if, if the kebab shop queue was massive, then you don't go there. So yeah. if you have to go to another takeaway and you know the kebabs are shit, then you just get chips and cheese. Or yeah. a pizza or something. Something you know you can't go wrong with. Yeah. You're not going to get a kebab from somewhere that you know it's shit. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just looking looking at the exterior of this place, I would not get a kebab from there. No matter how fucking hungry I was, <laughs> I, would, I, I would not be taking my chances. <laughs> At this place, yeah, it looks that's you're gonna you're gonna have a very upset stomach the next day. I think uh, if you're eating there, my general rule of thumb is if what they're showing you is fucking minging, then what they're not showing you is must be horrendous, right? So you know, if you go if if you go into a restaurant and you go for a piss or something, the toilets are absolutely disgusting. There's a good chance the kitchen is ten times worse. But yeah, it, it doesn't look to me like uh, best kebab has been cleaned no. anytime recently. So yeah, I, as, you, as the gentleman says, he rolled the dice and he lost. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a risky game. <laughs> You could make that into a a fun game, I suppose, that you could, uh, a kebab roulette. You get kebabs from different places, you spin the the kebabs and uh, see who ends up with food poisoning the next day. When we're back in Aberdeen in May, I might uh, get a wee kebab one night. Yeah. Because the last one I had, I had one here in Dubai, because we we had been talking about kebabs in that episode. Yeah. And we'd um, (laughs) we'd been pondering whether either of us had ever, like, had a kebab sober. You know, you, you mentioned that you'd be used to buy two, <laughs> have one before you went to bed, and then one when you woke up in the morning to chase off your hangover, which is something only a young man in his 20s would get away with, I think. Yeah, so I bought one here from um, 
was a there's a British uh, style fish and chip shop here that I know you're familiar with, and it, to be oh. honest. The kebab meat was so spicy. And I don't know mm. if it was because I hadn't, I hadn't had any drinks at that stage. And it, I don't, so I couldn't, I couldn't determine whether kebab meat's always that spicy. But because I've been drinking for like a few hours before I eat it, I don't really notice the temperature as much. I don't know. So I'm, I'm quite keen to put it to the test uh, when we're back in Aberdeen. Is it just to mask the taste that you're eating manky old goat rather than <laughs> succulent lamb? Maybe, potentially. <laughs> manky just, old goat. Just put more sauce on it. It'll <laughs> yeah. be fine. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, yeah. Well, uh, we'll put that to the test then when we're in Aberdeen. You can have one. I can wind up all of the, the kebab places asking if they do a vegan donor. And then leave scathing TripAdvisor reviews when they tell you <laughs> that they don't. What I am looking forward to having in Aberdeen when we're back is... Uh, fish and chips because um i think i, I think and it, you know, this is subjective obviously but i think the best fish suppers i've ever had in my life have been in aberdeen so yeah i think i will have one as well actually when mm-hmm. i'm back i know i've just said i don't really eat fish much but yeah i think i probably will yeah i'll join you that well in terms of more news i've got a little story you know i think it's the sort of thing that i think you, you and i sort of envisioned when we set out on this journey of doing the podcast, the sort of stories that we would have and we would enjoy reading out. And I think this one sort of falls into that. Um, I'll just, I'm going to like go through it quickly, but um, the headline is Kickboxer Spared Jail After Hammer Attack on Thief Who Broke Into His Home. So this is um, a Muay Thai world champion, uh, Chris Shaw, who lives in Renfrewshire, who chased uh, would-be burglar George Halliday down the street and attacked him after waking up to find him trying to break into his house. Uh, Chris Shaw attacked George Halliday when he tried to break into his home, leaving him soaked in blood and with a broken nose, the 31-year-old armed himself with tools and chased the would-be housebreaker down the street wearing only boxer shorts and flip-flops. Uh, this is <laughs> in the daily record. Uh, the IMF uh, world champ was told yesterday that his otherwise good character helped him avoid a prison sentence when he appeared at Paisley Sheriff Court. Uh, he admitted guilty. He had admitted guilty at an early, earlier hearing. He said he was asleep in his bed at home in Johnston in Renfrewshire when a uh, 44-year-old Halliday tried to break in. Um, Defence lawyer Tom Waters told the court that the marshal artist who's also had numerous MMA bouts runs his own business and was therefore eager to stay out of prison. He explained he is self-employed, works seven days a week and is the first to get his hands on the tools. Could have perhaps chosen a better defence line there um, about being his first to get the first to get his hands on the tools. Uh, sentencing Shaw, the sheriff Tom McCartney told him, if you're a person with previous convictions, there's no doubt a prison sentence would be the most likely in respect of an assault of this nature, but in the absence of any previous convictions, I am just persuaded that I can deal with this matter by way of an alternative to prison. So Shaw's on a community payback order, he's got to carry out 200 hours of unpaid work in the next year. He got 50 hours off because he admitted his guilt. He, he could still go to jail if he doesn't um, carry out the punishment properly. Apparently, uh, Shaw chased Halliday, who had broken into his tool van and was trying to gain access to his home. He struck Halliday, causing him to fall to the ground and then hit, a, hit him with a hammer with the blow landing on Halliday's arm. He then rained kicks and punches on his head and body for around two minutes which I imagine two minutes is quite a long time when you're lying on the ground being pummeled by a martial arts champion <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who 
is evidently tooled up. Uh, the police were contacted and officers found Shaw with dried blood with dried blood on both sets of knuckles. While being treated at hospital, Halliday said, I thought I was breaking into a garage, but it turns out it was a house and the guy battered me. Halliday appeared in court the day after the attack and admitted breaking into Shaw's van and stealing items and trying to break into his home. Uh, apparently Halliday was stabbed more than 20 times in 2010, uh, later becoming a heroin addict, diagnosed as suffering from PTSD in 2017. In 2011, he, sold a, he stole a Subaru Forester, I used to have one of them, uh, used to ferry ill children to Glasgow's York Hill Hospital after breaking into a specialist paediatric nurse's home. I don't have a great deal of sympathy for... Uh, George Halliday, I've got to be honest. But no. um, yeah, perhaps uh, I'm not sure the punishment <laughs> exactly fitted uh, the attempted crime in uh, Chris Shaw's case. He's always the first to get his hands on the tools, according to his brief. So, you know. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, it's extremely unfortunate to, uh, to be breaking in there. And it just so happens that the guy here robbing happens to be a kickboxing champion. Yeah. Yeah. That's very unfortunate. Yeah. I think, yeah, we've discussed that on the Swally before about the, the guys that broke into Duncan Ferguson's house. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> like, right. They just headbutted them and then sat on them until the police arrived. <laughs> I've got a lot of time for that. Uh, we've got to be honest. Not necessarily like you know grievous bodily harm, but certainly some bodily harm. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think you're well within your rights, really. If someone's breaking into your home, to be able to uh, give them a little bit of a slap and tickle yep. before the uh, <laughs> handing them over to the authorities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, fantastic. Oh, well, very good. Any more stories? Nothing. Uh, the only update that I had, um, it was a story that we had quite a while ago. I did give a brief update a couple of weeks ago, but I actually edited it out because it wasn't really... I, th- I think we were quite short on time, actually. Right, right. So, uh, so it was just a, a story from uh, a few months ago that we, we covered. It was about the gentleman who got very excited outside Ibrox at the oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Rangers title celebrations. And he, uh, he whipped his cock out and started pleasuring himself because he was so excited. Um, I think the, the judge said that there was a significant sexual element to this crime. Uh, so the uh, the gentleman in question has uh, been sentenced to 180 days in prison. Prison? <laughs> so, yeah, 180 days. He actually got sentenced 200 days, but because he pled guilty, they reduced to 180 days. If uh, yeah, so he's going to miss any. If Rangers were to win any trophies this season, <laughs> he'll he'll have to wank in his cell uh, <laughs> as he celebrates that. Yeah. So maybe he's uh, maybe. Maybe his cellmate will do it for him. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, if I know. This that's a... quite, yeah, 100, 180 days. That's a, a hell of a, that's quite a lot for. What's that? Well, what's that? Six months, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah six well, months. Much, yeah. Yeah, 180 days for. I mean, I still, I, I don't want to go back into it because we spoke about it at length, but I mean, there's been occasions in my life when I've been really, really happy about something that's happened, right? Like the birth of my children, the, the day I got married. I mean, look, like tons of things, right? <laughs> tons of things. I've never, ever felt an urge. You know what I mean? In the delivery suite. <laughs> In the delivery suite. <laughs> fucking the Glasgow Maternity off, uh, Hospital to sort of, after being presented with my daughter, I'm so happy that I'm going to hand her back. And then immediately pleasure myself in front of the nurses and the doctor. Do you know what I, mean? I think you could have maybe chosen a slightly better example than in a fucking paediatric unit, Greg. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Like, uh, 
anything else, you know, passing your driving test or, yeah. you know. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be the much better one, actually. Yeah, yeah. graduating from school or something or college yeah. or, yeah. But a, you immediately went to, yeah. I was a bit disappointed. I, I, was a, I was a bit underwhelmed about leaving school because <laughs> the last year at school is fucking, your last year at school was fucking brilliant. Like in sixth year in Scotland, this mine was. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed my last year at school. I was only doing two hires, so my timetable had plenty of free periods. You know what I mean? Like, only all the rough kids have left already. <laughs> You're here. All the rough kids have left. Like, they've, been, they've been away for a couple of years. They're off to, like, well, in my case, they were off to like, the fish factories in Peterhead or whatever, you know, um, or away be away. Uh, training to be like tradesmen and stuff it was brilliant the last year at school i was like genuinely a bit disappointed when it came to an end you know i feel that way i did it the wrong way around i did uh i did two hires in fifth year and then i did four in sixth year oh <laughs> did that for yeah that was really stupid <laughs> uh because i think some of the standard grades i did i was like oh, i couldn't be arsed in higher so i did yeah. like the the standard grade basically in fifth year over a year yeah and then did the higher in sixth year so i did like right. can't remember what it, it was that i did but uh yeah that was the way i did it so yeah i ended up doing four hires in my sixth uh, year so i was a busy boy oh well okay well i guess that uh, sums up the news from scotland this week greg all right then before we go on to what we're going to be talking about this week let's have a little word from our sponsors What do I look for in a hero? Should he star at the Highland Games? Should he do what no man has done before, as catching the cable and a claim to fame? No, it's when I catch a man born Tartan special that I rush to shake his hand. And when we taste that magic brew, and when I taste that magic brew, He's the greatest in Scotland. Support your local hero and his younger's tartan special. Okay, so it was your choice this week, Nicky. Why don't you introduce this week's content? Ah, thanks very much, Greg. Yes, well, this week, I thought it's been a while since we've done a, a little TV series. So it's uh, we can do the first series of something, six parts. So I'd like to talk about The Book Group, which was a comedy drama that was broadcast on Channel 4 in 2002. And it ran for two series, but this review is focused on the first series only. It was written and directed by American-born, but Glasgow resident, Annie Griffin, and it revolves initially around an American girl called Claire who, arriving in Glasgow from Cincinnati, decides to start a book group to meet intellectually and like-minded friends. However, the people she encounters are not quite what she expected uh, but the group seems to bring all these individuals together so the show starred Anne Dudek, Bonnie Engstrom, Michelle Gomez, Rory McCann, Saskia Mulder, James Lance and Derek Riddell and it was something of a slow burning underground cult hit. It was originally planned to be on late night on channel 4 uh, something that was going to have like a little bit of a kind of loyal but small fan base but some of the people that were responsible for scheduling for the uh, took it home, watched it, and decided they loved it. So they actually put it on at 9.30 on a Friday night on Channel 4, which, as we'll discuss, was pretty peak viewing at the time that it was out. So, um, as I mentioned last week, Greg, I watched this when it aired, um, and I'll talk about my memories of it, but you had never watched this before, you mentioned. 
No, I'd never seen it before. Uh, the reason being that in 2000 and 2003, I worked in restaurants. I was a manager. Mm. Um, so I worked like every Friday night, pretty much, unless I, unless I had a reason for being off or I was on vacation. So yeah, I, I never, ever saw it. And the thing was, that kind of Channel 4... And BBC Two Friday night was a bit of a kind of golden uh. TV time in like the sort of late nineties. You know, you'd have the fast show on BBC Two. You had things like Euro Trash and Channel Four. You had the Word, and you know, and, uh, Father Ted as well used to be on a Friday night on Channel Four. Um, the Day to Day, Alan Partridge, all that kind of thing. So yeah, it's a bit. Of, I, <laughs> this, um, you know, watching this, it does sit quite well. I felt that it's sat quite well in that sort of off the wall sort of comedy that you would find on both the both those two channels on a on a Friday night. Mm. At that time, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I've not lived in the UK for a long time now, but I, so I don't know if um, if Friday nights are still the same um, in terms of the scheduling on BBC Two and Channel Four, but uh, certainly got many fond memories of um, Friday night TV. Yeah, it was that peak, like you said. I, I mean, this was on at nine thirty, so I think it came after Friends, right. which was on at nine o'clock, yeah. and it replaced Black Books which right. they had aired the, the six weeks before, mm-hmm. and they followed that up with a big group. And then, as you said, yeah, it was like the era of Father Ted, Spaced, mm-hmm. um, the, and then you would have American imports like, say, Friends or Frasier or um, like Will and Grace mm-hmm. would always be on like around about that time. So you're right. I think this does fit in very well of that era, but I, what we're talking about today, the book group, is it's, it's almost a bit more subtle than yeah, yeah. Some, of the, some of the other things that would have been on at that time. I would put it maybe be more like kind of more like spaced in a way because there wasn't yeah. a, like a, a laugh track and it was maybe yeah a little bit more kind of topical than um than father ted for example don't get me wrong i adore father ted yeah. but it's a little bit more ridiculous kind of surreal humor i think yeah i think spaced is a is a good comparison i mean it, it doesn't take things quite as far as spaced and technically space has got a lot of uh, a lot of very surreal sort of elements in it but mm. you know the the the, the sort of fantasy sequences with um, Claire when she's you know she's trying to write her book and she's thinking of scenes and she's put herself in the scene and Barney and Kenny and then with Kenny as well and you know the sort of imagery of him and his mind writing his book in his uh, cabin in the in the mountains and all that so yeah it, it it does share it does share quite a lot with Spaced I think and um and yeah I think Spaced came before this because. Shaun of the Dead, I think, came out in, or it was certainly filmed in 2003. If it wasn't released in 2003, I think Space had finished by then. So Mm, I think Space is sort of late 90s. So, you know, when you think that space used to be in that slot, you can, you know, the book group kind of makes sense. And I think the, as you say, there are kind of surreal elements to it. And what I do really love about this show as well is the, you know, the first episode is almost very different from the rest because the first episode is basically completely set in Claire's flat. Yeah. Pretty much in her front room, really. It's it's like a play, isn't it? It's Yeah, yeah, Yeah. very much so. And and the characters, at the end of the first episode, Kenny's the only character that you're kind of like, he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. The rest of them, you're not really shoot about them. They're all a bit, you know, Claire is this stuck-up, horrible American. Barney is a intellectual arsehole up his own arse. Mm. You have Fist, Durka, and um, Janice, who are all very much, you know, you, you think they're, well, Fist and Durka, you kind of think they're just typical footballers' wives. Yeah, yeah. 
Janice comes across like some sort of strange robot. Yeah. And Rab is, well, Rab. Um, yeah. So, you know, like a wee Ned, but yeah. Kenny's the only guy that you kind of like, you know, he seems like a nice guy. But even then, actually, first episode, Kenny's a bit, it's almost a bit dull. Mm. You know, a testament to all their kind of acting ability that you know he can come across that way but as soon as the second episode hits it's it's almost like this whole world just opens up yeah and develops into each of the characters and throughout the course of the six episodes they all have their own kind of wonderful storylines i mean durka is kind of the only one that doesn't in a way but yeah. she's kind of just there with with fist um along the line but yeah they, they all you know have their own little storylines and explorers and they all become such well-rounded characters in the yeah. end but i think it's just a, a beautifully well-crafted the way the way that it's done throughout the series yeah and as the series goes on you know like you you, you have barney played by james lance I guess most recently seen in Ted Lasso was Trent Grimm. You know, he's, there's a lot of sort of late '90s, early 2000s fashion going on with uh, Barney that I recall dipping my own toe in, like the like the highlights, for example, stuff like that. But he, you know, he's you know he's sort of the heartthrob. But it's he, kind of established. Uh, fairly early on in the series that Rab is in fact homosexual uh, and is in in a relationship with um, Jackie, uh, Janice's footballer husband. But then you've got, you know, you've got uh, Rory McCann playing Kenny and he's in a wheelchair and he is the focus um, very much, well, kind of partly for Claire. Claire seems to have kind of confused mm. romantic feelings for Kenny. But um, Fist and then later on, the last couple of and Durka are very much burning candles for Kenny to the point where in the last episode they try to... Is it the last episode or the second last episode? No, it's the last episode. No, the second last episode. Yeah. They try to seduce him <laughs> in his room <laughs> with it. Fist. It made me laugh. Because, like, Kurt, like, Saskia Mulder, she's Dutch, and that Dutch accent. I think I don't think Bonnie Engstrom plays Durka. I think because she was in um, EastEnders, wasn't she? When mm, I was, yeah. I don't know if she is English doing an accent or if she. Cause I've never heard her speak. I think she's Swedish. You yeah, I think okay. she is Swedish, yeah. But um, first, um, <laughs> when, they're, when they're sort of telling each other to fuck off so they can seduce Kenny, <laughs> and uh, first is like, oh no, me and Kenny are going to have sexy time. <laughs> She's dancing on his bed. Just for that, um, with her voice, it was just really, really funny. Uh, what I loved about that scene is that she just goes over and switches on the stereo and either Kenny's radio is tuned to dodgy kind of porn music or yeah. he has porn music on the CD because <laughs> it wasn't, you know, early 2000s like dance or pop music. It was kind of like, you know, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was definitely sexy time dance music that was going on there. Yeah. Um, as you say, I think I quite like the, the fact that you have, I mean, Rory McCann is Kenny and yeah. he is this, this gentle giant and it's a, it's a wonderful he's the guy in the wheelchair Mm. and as I say the first episode he I think as well it goes along the series like the first episode they don't talk about the book that much it's just basically Claire and and Barney that talk about it so first episode they're talking about uh, Kerouac on the road Mm. and Kenny, I mean, I mean, the women aren't interested at all, really, no. in speaking about the book. Rab obviously hasn't read it, <laughs> yeah. and but Kenny, um, he he really seems to have, have liked it, and as it, it turns out, that has inspired him 
to mm-hmm. write his own book as yeah. the series goes on. And and it's just, it's the so funny of when he's like, I just thought it was smashing. And, and when they ask him to explain why he loved it so much, and he tells the story about his brother and the couple of girls that they met uh, from Troon in Fort William. <laughs> <laughs> it's just lovely. Kenny, why was it such a good book? Well, the guy writing about the the guy in the car and how he, how he got all the girls and all that, um, it just reminded of like me and Davy really. Davy, my brother, the the good looking one. We once took an overnight train to Fort William just for like a wee holiday, just Davy and myself, and uh, end up staying like a bothy in Glencoe. And it was like brilliant weather and sun in the mountain and all that kind of stuff. Booklet of more, stunning. There was a couple of girls from Troon there as well. They were nice. And that's all I can really say about it. That was beautiful. Mm. Okay, let's have Rab. I agree with Kenny. What? I think what Kenny said was spot on. You went to Fort William too? No, but that's no the point. The point is appreciating the vibe, and I. Agree but as the series progresses, they do talk about the books more and more as as it kind of goes on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for Kenny to be, um, it really starts in the the second episode when it, it's evident that the the girl in the that goes to the leisure centre that he works in is attracted to him. Yeah. And that's the the only episode you kind of see Kenny's not his mask slip. But he's he's obviously pissed off and angry at this girl, and I, th- I think it's something to do with him obviously being in the chair, and he, he yeah. feels frustrated. I don't know if it's almost yeah, but, and because she's maybe coming on too strong to him, and obviously he turns around and tells her to get to fuck, yeah. and he's he's still in a bad mood when he arrives at um, Durkas for the the, mm-hmm. the book group that evening, and you can see it, it, it takes him really playing charades to. <laughs> to kind of snap out of it um, but, but then from then on as you say that um he it's that taxi ride um with claire at the end of that episode where he has is trying to perk her up and, yeah and he's obviously at the end of the first episode he's heard that she she's rather sexually frustrated yeah. um and and, and yeah that, that's my question as well do we think does kenny i think he does fancy claire he does properly. yeah i think he does i mean he's obviously at the end of the first episode, when everyone's left and she's she's just propositioned Barney as he's leaving, we go, you know, I think, and yeah, I wonder if there's a bit of um, of Anne Griffin's own experiences as an American in Glasgow. I think, I think, you know, I think there probably is. Um, she set this book group up because she's moved to Glasgow and she's a bit lonely. She doesn't really know anybody, and she's set it up as a means of kind of building her social circle. So. You know, she mentioned she has a bit of a breakdown after Barney leaves, not realizing that Kenny's in the toilet. <laughs> she, you know, she's lying on the floor, uh, crying about how she hasn't had sex for seven months and nobody wants her and all that kind of thing. Which obviously Kenny hears all this, and then I wonder if that sort of colors his his feelings for her. You know what I mean? Um, I guess you know I've not watched the second series. I was tempted just to kind of burn into the mm. second series but I thought well I guess we'll probably do it um, and maybe sooner than later I might pick it myself um, mm. but um, so yeah I mean he's, he's obviously got a thing for her to some extent but then when he's having when he's writing his book and he's having his sort of fantasies about writing his book in his cabin on the mountain Fist is the is the girl mm. that is like his 
I guess, his girlfriend there uh, until the very last episode where he sort of fantasises that it's Claire. But, you know, he's he's not sure how to write a character like Claire and because he's, he doesn't know how she feels about him, I guess, where it's pretty it's pretty obvious to him how Fist feels about him because, you know, when she leaves her footballer boyfriend, she's following Kenny everywhere. She's going to the leisure centre, she's he's training her and Durka on the track, he's letting her have a go in his um, kind of competitive wheelchair, his kind of sporty wheelchair, you know, so it's, yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes in the, in the second series. And that's quite a again a, a poignant sad moment as well when fist asks to have a go in kenny's chair and she's obviously enjoying the same as people do when you get in a wheelchair you know you're like Wee, look at me but <laughs> it's, it's not fun is it it's, it's you, know. you know you really feel sorry for kenny at that moment and and obviously he takes his frustration out by going round to barney's and smoking <laughs> weed yeah <laughs> which, which is a fantastic part you know he's trying yeah. he's trying to help barney get clean and he just comes around <laughs> and just produces this bag of weed yeah <laughs> the two of them sit and blaze it up whilst uh whilst claire arrives but you're right because kenny does get as you could see in the last episode he's very jealous of mm-hmm. uh the the new member of the book group so to speak which we'll, we'll come on to later but uh yeah he does get quite uh jealous about that and, and even when when claire phones him and he says have you got somebody there is it barney yes yeah. you know he's, he's yeah. jealous of, of yeah doesn't want claire with another man so you're right i think he he genuinely does really yeah. have kind of feelings for Claire. But yeah, he's, you could have Fist and Durka on a plate. But uh, He's so jealous that he forgets that Barney has passed away because that's the call well, that Claire yeah. calls him. <laughs> Claire calls him <laughs> to tell him. Um, you know, and it's like, so for Rory McCann, it's like we've mentioned a couple of times before, I, I, I know Rory a bit through mutual friends. He's been acting for quite a long time. Um, I, I, he never told me this. This is on his Wikipedia page, but apparently, because he's very—he's a, he's a tall fella, Rory. He's about six foot seven, six foot eight. And apparently, he was—he um, got fired from Willow, Ron Howard's Willow. Um, he was—he was an extra or something like that, or he had a small part or something like that in Willow, and it, as far back as 1988, and he got fired for laughing in between takes or something like that. I mean, this is this is half-arsed internet research. It might not be true. And if when the next time I see Rory, I'll have to ask him. But I've not seen him for years. The last time I saw him was my youngest daughter's um, head wetting in Glasgow, and she's going to be twelve on her birthday. So that shows you how long it's been that since the last time I seen him. Um, but he, um, you know, he's a nice feather, Rory, and he's quite he's quite unassuming and. When he came along to, so my daughter was born at the end of 2010, and he, when he came along, we didn't have the head wetting until January because it had snowed really badly in Glasgow, like November and December. So we didn't end up doing anything until January. And when Rory came along, um, you know, I was chatting to him and I asked him what he was up to, and he told me that he had just done like a week on a film. Uh, with Nicolas Cage in it that I've never seen called Season of the Witch in Bulgaria. Mm. But he was living in a caravan in Aberfoyle. And my father was with us. My, my father said to me, he said, oh, it must be fucking freezing up there at the minute. So it was still really snowy. And he said, yeah, Rory said, yeah, he said, I had to, one, one of the pipes was leaking in the caravan as well, he said, but it's fine because as soon as it froze, I just threw it out the door. Like joking, obviously. And, but um, I asked him what he had coming up and he said he didn't have anything coming up. So mm. um, in 2011, like a, a couple of months later, Sky launched Sky Atlantic. And for our international listeners, Sky Atlantic is basically the channel that shows all the HBO 
programs in the UK. And one of their launch programs was Game of Thrones. So I watched the first episode and there's somebody in it who looks a lot like Rory following the little short guy around, uh, Tyrion Lannister, uh, Peter... Uh, Dinkage, but he's quite heavily made up, and I'm thinking, looks a lot like Rory, but he, he doesn't really have any lines, and you don't really, camera doesn't linger on him very much, and um, and sure enough, it was him, and sure enough, he's gone on to become, he was quite a big character in the programme, and he's been in a lot of other things since, uh, most recently as the baddie in the new, or the second Jumanji movie with The Rock, and um, Karen Gillan, and Kevin Hart, and all that, so he's He's, he's had a bit of a slow-burning uh, career, Rory, but I think it's, um, you know, he's, he's, I think it's just how he's, it's more to do with him, I think, than anything else. You know, he's, he likes, he likes to live in Scotland. Um, he likes to live out, he likes to live, like, quite quietly. So, yeah, I'm quite pleased to see that he's doing well, but I'm also a bit, disappointed because the, the sort of better he does the less chance I've got of bumping into him when I catch up with our mutual friends when I'm back in Glasgow <laughs> um, and he's I think he's really really good in this you know I mean he, he had been doing um, the Pottage Oats guy for Quaker mm. in the adverts because he's a big mm-hmm. he's a big fella um, as we've mentioned already so to play you know a, a lot of the parts that he's done since have been sort of swords and sandals Game of Thrones type parts even before Game of Thrones he was in like Alexander and Clash of the Titans and stuff like that um, so to see him playing like a guy in a wheelchair as an early role and not like playing like a big physical uh, intimidating part you know and it just he's as I said he's a, he's a nice guy and a lot of his his personality uh, comes out in Kenny, you know? And I think it's a, a very strong choice to have him in the role because, as mm. you say, a lot of his roles are based on physicality because he is a big guy and he's huge. So to have him in the wheelchair does make it really interesting. And, yeah. and it's a theme that runs throughout every episode. I mean, Rab especially is always a good on you, big man. Yeah, Good yeah. on you. Like, whenever Kenny says he's doing anything, and even when he meets the author, it... Janice's and you know the later episodes and and he says that he's he's writing this book and it's like oh good on you you know as if mm. people with a disability can't do <laughs> the things that even he's doing so it sort of pats him on the head do you know what I mean then yeah, they might have yeah. Ben Miller I know and, and <laughs> I, I think it, I think you know Rory is good at you can tell that this is something that Kenny has had to go through ever since he's had the accident that's put him in a wheelchair. Just this is how he's been mm. treated, you know. And, he, and there are some things that he sort of takes advantage of. Like I think the, the scene when him and Fist and Durka are in the pub and he goes to buy Durka a drink and, she t- and he comes back really quickly and he's like, oh, you always get served first because of the chair yeah. or, or, or something like that. But he, he really gets a crossroad, I think, that this is a guy who previously enjoyed a very, 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 active life um, and is now trying to be as active as he possibly can even though he's now disabled but the fact that he can't do all the things that he used to be able to do is is a clear frustration to him you know yeah no he's a great character kenny definitely um i think he's he's a, a very key member of the the group and yeah uh, yeah very good. Um, I think the other big kind of Scottish star that we have in it, if it's Scottish star now, is Michelle Gomez, mm. who uh, who plays Janice, of course. Uh, a very different role for her as well, because Michelle Gomez, I mean, she, 
she seems to have always been around. You know what I, yeah. I know her from this, and even looking at her IMDb, she was in so much back in the day in terms of things like Green Wing and so many shows that she's been in. And even now, you forget. Like I, I genuinely forgot she's in um, the show. My wife and I watched The Flight Attendant with um, Kaylee Cuckoo, and um, <laughs> she was in what. <laughs> Kaylee Cuckoo. <laughs> Kaylee Cuckoo or whatever. Um, and she was in, she had a big part in the Sabrina the Teenage Witch on Netflix. And yeah. I forget, she, she had like a massive part in Doctor Who as well. She did, like, yeah. About a few years ago. And yeah. you just forget, she just seems to have been massive. She had quite, a, she was in quite a lot of things. And I think she took a few years off to have kids because um, she's married to Jack Davenport, um, mm. the actor. And then and then she's just come back and she just seems to be in just, just huge things as well. She's in um, the, what's the, uh, the other DC TV series uh, as well. Doom Patrol. The Doom Patrol. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she just seems to be in just everything at the moment. And as, as Janice, she's brilliant she plays this character so well of this kind of footballer's wife but aspiring tv presenter or interviewer she wants to be and the way she just portrays this in terms of being quite shy in front of the group and not really wanting to talk but then going to the bathroom and practicing her lines in front of the mirror and and she has to kind of write down what she's going to be saying she's a very complex character is janice yeah, and I think I think Michelle Gomez is she's like very aware of how she they they not just in this but in in everything that I've seen her in she's very aware of how she comes across. Do you know what I mean? Like, like for her, you know, like her physical reactions to the other to the other actors, you know, her facial expressions and everything. You know, um, you know, she's really really funny as well you know what i mean like really really funny um especially in the green wing she's hilarious and she was mm. you know you know i, I know you're, you don't really watch doctor who but she um she goes up against peter capaldi in doctor who and she's brilliant you know what i mean and you know for people who watch doctor who for a long time it was quite exciting having like a scottish doctor and a scottish uh villain you know um oh. I, don't, I don't know what everybody else thought about it but fucking gives a fuck about them um but yeah no she's <laughs> yeah she's really good and you know I, I was a bit worried at first because i was thinking i don't really see michelle gomez as a footballer's wife because if you if you if you if you put her up against the sort of stereotype that were that are of a footballer's wife fist and durka probably fall into that stereotype you know what i mean mm. Whereas mm-hmm. she doesn't. But then where, where she becomes more interesting is when you start to see her home life with Jackie, mm. the footballer, you know, and like, the, you know, she's obviously joined this book group to, but like, for the same reasons as probably the other characters, to build a social circle and get to know people and, you know, learn a, learn a thing or two, broaden their minds. Um, you know, in, at home with Jackie, she's, she's sort of between this homemaker keeping a lovely house, but also filled with aspirations to do something more. Um, it's, mm. you know, Especially when in the episode where she hosts at their house and she's done this mm-hmm. massive... She's got like an absolutely knockout dress on and she's got a fantastic... Uh, she's done a fantastic spread of food that nobody really wants. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, one, no one's that hungry for. Uh, yeah, I think... Of, uh, of all the characters, you know, you feel like you kind of go and, the, and the, the, all the characters in the first series, you know, I, I don't know that anybody has moved on that much 
from the first episode to the last episode more than Janice. You know, she mm. she's had she's had the affair. She's challenged the writer at a book signing before she has the affair with them. Mm. You know, and she's obviously she's got everything written down in front of her, and she's obviously asking somebody else's question or giving somebody else's opinion. But yeah, it's brilliant. She's just got such a a comedic timing as well mm. and it's, it's little touches like as you said in terms of you're very aware of what she's doing so at mm. the end of the episode with the with the writer with ben miller and, and when he leaves and she comes back through and she's it's, it's the physicality of when she's opening the gin and yeah. jackie and rab <laughs> are sitting speaking and then she just ends up sculling the gin out the bottle and <laughs> it's her face afterwards the other part that just has me cracking up and it's just a throwaway line but it's the way she delivers it it's so funny is when she's reading wee jackie the little engine that could yeah. and he says where's thomas and she just clicks <laughs> a flash he's resting back at the station anyway yeah. and <laughs> it's just so well delivered <laughs> and it's it's she's just a wonderful actress in terms of the the ability to be able to do that and you really just feel for janice as well yeah there's another line she has uh in one of the last episodes of the this first series with Rab, I, I, can't, I can't remember. What, can't remember what he says, but he swears, and she says something like, "Rab, save it for a save it for the public house, or or this isn't a public house, or something like that." You, know, like, you never hear a pubs getting called public houses these days, you know. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, uh, brilliant character, and as I say, as you say, yeah, she does probably go along the the kind of biggest journey throughout the the actual book group, and I wonder because of course it's Fist says to Durka that it was it was me that found the book group. So yeah. I wonder if yeah Jackie had just uh, Janice sorry had just come along as well as as part mm. of the the kind of three to uh, to tag along it's, but yeah. yeah she ends up is it ever established whether Jackie Lars and um, sorry Jackie Gotti and Lars are all in the same team or yeah I, th- I think so right yeah I I would imagine so yeah they must be for the wives right, to be because yeah. you wouldn't get and of course it's never mentioned which team it is. No, but um, yeah. So it's obviously one of the two, but um, but no, I think they yeah. do. Uh, they play for the same team. So yeah. Um, and then of course we have Rab, the the number one football fan. Now, uh, brilliantly played. Now, how I know she smirked when I was introduced to Derek Riddle or yeah. Riddell, but it's Riddle. Yeah. So we'll go with Derek Riddle. It's Riddle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> playing Rab and t- such a. A complex character as well, but he's just yeah. first comes in. You know, he did, where, where's his tracksuit? Quite clear that he hasn't read the book. And yeah, you know, such a complex because obviously he's having an affair with Janice's Jackie. husband, Jackie. Yeah. Now they obviously knew each other before this book group. So because yeah. when he first goes to the door, it's clear that they know each other. Because he's what are you doing in Janice's book group? And yeah. I just can't work out how he's ended up joining this book group and pretending to Janice that is this his way of you know has Jackie told him that Janice is joining this book group? So he's gone to join it to get in with Janice so that he can be more open with Jackie, if that makes sense. Well, that's it. It's it's kind of strange, isn't it? It's like it it doesn't seem like it's just by chance, but there are some things that happen, like Jackie coming to pick Janice up from um, Claire's in the Ferrari, for example, and he's mm. all excited about. So you get the impression that he's 
in that episode at least that it's just been sort of providence for Rabi's happened to join the bo- a group that a football player that he admires and fancies wife um, is a member of. You know, it's like they, they don't they don't really bother to explain. So yeah, it's it's hard to tell whether you know Rab sort of ingratiated himself because when did we discover the affair? Is it like the third episode? It's the it's the third episode that he goes round and it, it's just a bit weird in terms of this yeah. there's nothing actually happens it's it's just a bit strange the interaction they have at the doorstep um mm-hmm. and then it's episode four that he goes round and he, he says well you better come in and they close the yeah. door and right. then you see them kind of hugging against the the glass. glass frame and then the next scene basically is them naked having a, a pool party drinking <laughs> <Yeah>. champagne <laughs> yeah um, so it's quite i mean as i say there's never anything sexually really implied that's what i wonder like it, it yeah. is it just case of they're just basically buddies just having a cuddle BFFs. and eating ice cream and having naked pool parties like, <laughs> i don't i don't know i think there is a there is a, i think they are supposed to be having an affair because jackie's reaction when janice tells him about how she's had the affair with a writer mm. and it's just just fucking not bothered at all. You know what I mean? He's, no, he's it's it's really... kind of as you say. He's not really arsed, and then he kind of realizes that this could work. So he does yeah. a bit of mock mock outrage, yeah, to yeah. Janice. You know, oh well, this is ridiculous, and then he just goes back and sits with Rab and says, "What have I missed?" In terms of what they're watching. So yeah, you're right. He's not really bothered, but he does have to give a, this kind of mock outrage to, to seem that he is pissed off. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't even mention it to to Rab. Um, no, when they're you know, is that when they're having their Sundays? <laughs> no, it's, it, they've 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 had their Sundays by then. Um, they're they're having crisps um, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> no, it's this funny thing about about Jackie. He's supposed to be a a professional footballer, uh, one of the best in Scotland, and his mm. diet's fucking shocking. He's addicted to yeah. poppy seed cake, <laughs> like yeah. knicker knickerbocker glories. <laughs> And then when they come in from the Corinthian, he gets a plate full of sausage rolls and a big chicken leg as well. So he's, as you say, yeah, he's got a shite diet. He's just too busy playing 180 snowboarding on the N64 and uh, he's doing whatever he does with Rab. Yeah. <laughs> You see the, uh, the little the little plug for um although it'd been out for quite a while by that point, but when they're playing the uh, the PlayStation at Durkas and they're playing Driver. Yeah. That was I remember playing that on the PlayStation. It was fucking quite hard. I have an issue with that. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh Driver didn't come out on the PlayStation two until Driver Three. And yeah. that didn't come out until 2004. So right. they couldn't have been playing Driver on the PlayStation Two at that time. Yeah, it must be in a PlayStation 1 that we're playing it on. Durka says we have a PlayStation 2 and it's black oh. controllers that they're playing with. Oh, yeah, so, a yeah. little bit of a continuity error there, just to say. Um. <laughs> Not to niggle further, but I don't think Driver had a two-player mode, did it? No, I don't think it did. <laughs> That's what I wanted to check as well, and I meant to check that, but uh, I don't think it did. So, in terms of being, oh, I'll be the polis and you can be the... the yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the getaway uh no but uh yeah it was quite nostalgic seeing that because i do remember having driver you're right it was fucking nails playing it was that really game. hard it was really hard yeah. it was kind of a predecessor to grand theft auto really because at yeah. that time grand theft auto was the kind of overhead 
top down. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. So a little bit there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, uh, but yeah, Rab, yeah, he's a, a great character. Obviously ends up working for Jackie as his PA. Uh, it doesn't really contribute much to the book group. And when it is his choice to pick a book, he picks the little engine that could. <laughs> and his his interaction with Janice when she thinks it's Thomas the Tank Engine is just, <laughs> just delivers. The, it's a completely different fucking set of trains. Who'd like to start? Me. Rab, I love this book. It's about being able to do things because you believe you can do them. Mm, My wee boy loves this book too. It's his favourite bedtime story. He's got a Thomas Duvet cover. It's no Thomas, Janice. Thomas the Tank Engine? No, Janice, it's the little engine that could. Yes, well, we haven't got all the books in the series. It's no Thomas, a completely different set of fucking trains altogether. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's he's very very good in it. I think Derek Riddle, he's really good, and he's a, he's another actor who's you know he, he could be a bit of a potentially a bit of a James Cosmo for the twenty first century. Yeah, um, to be honest, because he gets into uh, he's all over the place. He he was a, he was he was Bob Servant as well. Yeah, he was. Yes, he certainly was the <laughs> yeah. uh, the priest. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's impressive the amount of stuff that he's been in and covers such a huge you know, he was in quite a few episodes of Ugly Betty for example and you know yeah. he's done a lot of stuff in terms of uh, this side and of course in the, in the States as well mm-hmm. he's had a, a really big and, and varied career and yeah he's he's fantastic in this he's really, yeah, he's good. really good very very good and then we've got um, the the lovely Saskia Mulder and Bonnie Engstrom mm. um, I, I can see why the show held um young Nicky's attention <laughs> on a Friday evening uh, because they are they are both smoking in this uh, in the in this first series the book group yeah of course I haven't really mentioned my first memories of the book group but yeah I, I watched yeah. it when it first aired and I, I remember really enjoying the show and really finding it really funny and, and loved it uh, yes I would say Fist and Durka were two of the reasons that I, I really enjoyed this show uh, yes very attractive <laughs> women but I think portrayed very well i mean they are footballers wives but they're not they're not bimbos and no immediately when they're doing the round robin and and they speak about what they've done they're all you know they're hugely qualified in terms of back in their native country it just means that they've met a footballer so they're just why not move to scotland and take it easy um yeah they're great characters and what i i really like about this show as well and i think is it's something that you don't see that often in a show like this that's often overlooked so you get to see fist and durka in their home life as well of course with their um their partners and when they are with their partners they don't speak in english they speak in swedish and dutch and obviously the subtitles come up but that's a lot of other shows they would just have them speaking english at home to make it easier yeah. for the viewer. Yeah. But I, I thought that was such a, a lovely little point that mm-hmm. meant a lot to me in terms of watching the show. I thought it was just yeah. a very nice little point. But yeah, they are great characters as well, very well-rounded. And I think they go on a quite a journey as well. I mean, Fist especially. And with her reading the second book, you get the impression in the first episode they haven't read the book. No. Or, or they don't want to contribute. But obviously she gets heavily involved in The Alchemist. And, and so yeah. does Durka as well. And yeah. that's another thing... I jumping all over the place but another thing i really like is when you see them reading i think it's especially the alchemist you see each character reading the book they're all reading different versions of the (laughs) the paperback which i thought was a nice touch because it's true you get so many different 
covers and versions and uh, of, of books that I thought that was a really nice little touch. Um, yeah. But yeah, she obviously gets heavily invested. And then, of course, they towards the end of the last episode, when they're reading uh, was it The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, um, yeah. they're they're really into it because I guess yeah. they think that because it was Kenny's choice, he's uh, relating and uh-huh. trying trying to maybe send some sort of message to the group that <laughs> they're desperately trying to cling on to. Yeah, I mean, Fist is outraged when she discovers that the writer passed away not long after he wrote the book and all this. <laughs> She's, yeah. And uh, I was actually moved. I've not watched it yet, but because I watched the, I watched the book group this week and then I listened to a podcast interviewing the director, Neil Marshall. And uh, Saskia Mulder was in his movie, The Descent. Uh, we did oh. one of Neil's movies, Dog Soldiers, uh, earlier, this, earlier this year. No, no, Halloween we did it, didn't we? Was it Halloween? Yeah. Halloween, yeah, so October, yeah. Doesn't seem that long ago. So yeah, I thought to myself, oh, I've, I've, I've never seen The Descent. I'll have to try and watch it. But then the interviewer was saying that because, or Neil Marshall rather was saying that he only wanted to use natural light, it kind of needs to be watched on a big screen in the absolute dark. So there's nothing reflecting on your screen. Um, mm. So really it needs to be watched in the cinema. But yeah, maybe I have to give it a spin. See how how much Saskia is in it. I notice she's not in the Descent too, so <laughs> I don't know. If it's... <laughs> Possible spoiler alert there. Then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A very strange interaction with her as well. Of course, when she decides to leave her boyfriend and moves in with Barney for uh, a month, I guess, because it's from book yeah. group to book group effect, essentially. Yeah, odd little dynamic that they have. Barney's obviously desperate to sleep with her, and mm. I say Fist has such a. You say, is it because maybe of the accent? It's it's almost an innocence in a way when we find out that Barney is a junkie and he's shooting up in the toilet and she just casually says, oh, but Barney has diabetes. <laughs> and it's almost the, the innocent way of him explaining that's why he uh, he has a needle and he has to take his medicine. But yeah, he's obviously desperate to sleep with her and he's spying on her in the shower and having sex with the bathroom door as he watches her. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. she seems quite oblivious to this and is just um yeah, just thinks he's just being a nice guy. Yeah. And there's a there's a strange you know, like the, you can tell that Claire finds Fist like super intimidating. And you know, mm. Barney is Barney is kind of the, the object of Claire's affection in the first couple of episodes. Even though he's horrendous to her, you know, she's still having fantasies about him and you know, and it's interest in the the character that he becomes in her fantasies the sort of uh dawn lecturer at the old university and stuff that when we meet Lachlan in the last couple of episodes Barney's brother you know he's it's a bit he's a bit more like that character in Claire's fantasy you know mm. but yeah but Claire clearly intimidated by Fist who for her part apart from a couple of comments toward the end of the series it's quite nice to Claire you know hmm. like you know she tries to be nice to her she's a you know she's a little bit it's a bit misguided at times and she's she accidentally offends Claire a couple of times but um but yeah I, I, I felt a bit sorry for Fist through it because she doesn't she doesn't really seem that aware of the impact she has on all the people around her you know and the, the yeah. one person she, the one person that she wants to really impact is is uh, Kenny who very much keeps it at arm's length yeah that's true because at the end of the I think the fourth episode 
episode where, or the fifth episode maybe, um, when Kenny does go off with Claire because you can tell Claire's a little bit upset and Fist and Durka are in the, the car together and they're kind of bitching about Claire a little bit. Like, what does he see? Yeah, yeah. She's so plain. And it's, yeah, so it's a, yeah, a little bit of a shame. But yeah, you're right. And, and I don't know, you're right. Barney is pretty... Isn't the first episode? They they have a bit of a, a go at each other in terms of the book, um, mm-hmm. and then obviously she proposes to him. He turns her down. Second episode, yeah. they they have a little bit. I mean, Barney turns up. He's of course it's it's her that's on the front foot actually yeah. in the second episode when she pretends she doesn't remember his name in the bookstore. Yeah, yeah. Barney does seem quite offended, and then of course when he turns <laughs> up at the book group, he's obviously high as a kite and acting out a little bit until <laughs> that was a nice little touch when they're playing driver. You see him passed out on the sofa <laughs> I'm like sleeping it off and then I guess yeah it's the third episode where they have the uh, the argument about the, the book because of course Barney's picked the book and he ends up throwing the plate off the wall and they have the, uh, the wonderful cunt exchange Everyone knows she's a better writer, and everyone knows the only decent book Marquez wrote was 100 Years of Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up Barney, I think you're interfering with my freedom of speech Clary is talking, Barney. Right, right. So would you mind not talking such utter shit? Oh. Hang on, am I the cunt? I think I am the cunt. Oh, we're all cunts. Speak for yourself. Language, please, could we all get out of the gutter? I know, that's the thing, right? And she still sort of seems to have a, have a bit of a, hold a bit of a candle for him, even after he's called her a cunt. Mm. Because I, I, don't, I, I don't know about you, mate, but in my experience, <laughs> women <laughs> don't like being called that, especially by guys. Um, well, well, but then it's the next episode, he turns up at hers... Uh, obviously, oh, yeah. a bit worse for wear with the uh, the the dead flowers and singing yeah. to her and yeah. uh, t- touching her hair, <laughs> then collapses, and that's where obviously she has to she calls Kenny and when Kenny reveals that Barney's a junkie, Claire almost sees this like a oh my god and you came here like because you what it was a cry for yeah. help. So that's what she's looking for. She's looking for him to be the... It's almost a project in terms of he's 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 like a wounded animal and coming to her for assistance. Yeah. That's what she's maybe looking for. Yeah. And on the subject of Claire, she's not, she's not a particularly likable character. You know, which is interesting. You know, if you think that, that Annie, Annie Griffin has maybe based some of this in her experiences, you'd have thought that... Claire would be a bit more sympathetic. I think very much the first episode, you she's not a likable character at all. And she yeah. does tone down, I think, as the, the series progresses. And yeah. I mean, that's one thing I wonder about her as well. She's very closely guarded in terms of, you know, she mentions she's a writer. She's obviously not because she says mm. she's had three books published, but you can only get them in the States and she writes under a yeah. different name. I, yeah. I, I, it's not quite clear what she actually does for a living to be able to yeah. you know live in glasgow and, and and that flat and don't know what she does so she does keep things quite close um to her chest but no i think as a unlikable character she does thaw a little bit as the the series progresses and i think the episode where they're around at janice's with ben miller as the author there she's she seems a bit more kind of at home she's got her feet up on the sofa they're speaking about the book she seems a lot more relaxed like she does seem to be a a lot more comfortable and especially in the last episode that's what i really like the kind of almost final shot when the the camera's panning out you see everyone there just interacting they're just 
they've formed Getting this on. lovely close bond over the, the six months that they've known each other. And compare that to the first episode in Claire's flat. It, yeah, everyone's so kind of standoffish, not knowing each other. It, it, yeah, I thought that was a lovely little way to end. So no, I think Claire did kind of thaw. I, I mean, especially mm. very much at the very end, maybe she just needed to get laid. And that was what... Maybe, yeah. Because she did seem to perk up a little bit after uh, Lachlan came on the scene. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. What I I think what I liked about this is, you know, at at the beginning we spoke about the slot that the show was on 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 Friday nights. And when you think about a lot of the comedy, you mentioned some of it before, like the American stuff like Friends, Frasier, um, Will and Grace... If we think about BBC Two, stuff like Bottom, The Fast Show, Harry Enfield and all that kind of thing. Whereas this, although that there are some really funny moments, I think, you know, it's more of a, you know, I think it's maybe a bit ahead of its time, perhaps, because mm. there's a lot of what people would lazily refer to as dramedies on TV. And, they're you know, they're normally like an hour, you know, like Succession is a bit of a well it's a lot of a mm. dramedy right succession you know it's it's yeah. very very funny a lot of the time because of the guys who write it I would imagine, you know J- J- uh, Jesse Armstrong etc whereas this like to take a, to, to take like a, a group of actors who are not particularly well known at the time set it it's very much in Glasgow you know mm. what I mean you know like it's not it, it's not something that well it it, it, it it could be anywhere you know it's a, you know the, this, the story has to be in Glasgow and it's half an hour like half an hour episodes that have a lot of kind of pathos a lot of like out 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 and out humour um, and and a lot of like real drama as well. Like, they to to kill off Barney in the well, I think they would they would they really kill him off in the fourth episode, but he's discovered in the fifth episode, right? Uh, or is no, it... it's the it's the fifth episode. Fifth episode. Right, yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. So to to kind of kill off one of the kind of principal characters um, before the end of the season, mm. you know, it's a bit for something that was. That's that was in that kind of comedy time slot. Yeah. It's quite bold, you know. Oh yeah, hugely. And it's as you say, it's a yeah, dramedy's such a vague word. I mean, it is a, mm. it's definitely more drama than comedy. But there are so many funny parts. I, you know, at least once an episode, I was mm. really laughing at something, and yeah. it could just be something so subtle. But that's the kind of you know humor I think is uh, is so well crafted and as i say before the, the the first episode you meet all these characters and all of them have such strong individual personalities and and by the end of the show you are they're all well-rounded characters but they're never like a caricature of themselves because it would be so easy to do that you've got the obnoxious american you've got the guy in the wheelchair you've got the ned you've got the footballer's wives you've got the student that thinks you know he knows everything and that's effectively if you bottle them into those categories that's what they are but they're never over the top they're never like a, a really like i say a caricature version of themselves they're all completely believable characters and you know people like these yeah. characters if that makes sense yeah yeah and exactly that's a testament to very good writing very good directing and fantastic acting from all of the cast as well. Yeah, totally. And you know, they to your point, you know, they those the two fist uh, fist and Durka. It would have been quite easy to just to have them as sort of stereotypical footballers' wives, mm. whereas they're actually very self-aware and uh, rich characters. 
you know, like I liked the exchange between Durka and her husband when she's, you know, she's always, she's the only girl that you see eating in the show. Yeah. You know, you never see Fist or, or, or Janice eating or Claire even. And he says to her, oh, you shouldn't eat that. It, it makes you fat. She's like, I, I, I don't care. <laughs> and she says, um, he, he says, well, the guys are saying, who's the, who's that fat girl with Lars? And she's like, it's Durka. Durka is the fat girl with Lars. You know, but in her accent, it's just really, really funny. <laughs> yeah, so well delivered. And as you say, there is a point of you know, every time she is the only one you see eating, but she'll about to put something in her mouth and you'll see Fist look at her and she'll stop. Yeah. And then she'll just eat it anyway and just be like ah oh, fuck you um very true as you say they could have been so easy to go down stereotypical route of these are bimbo footballers wives but they are such strong well-rounded characters in their own right i think they're brilliant and you know it's mm. almost their husbands that are kind of the idiots really that um all they care about is the is football yeah which is well, that's it. They, yeah they're the sort of uh one-dimensional characters you know but they're so fascinated when you know they're asking rab about the book group he's holding court in the Corinthian with his cigar and telling them all about it and they are genuinely fascinated because I thought when they first asked him and he explains I thought they were going to take the piss but they genuinely seem to be interested but I wonder Mm -hmm. if they were fishing for information about Kenny because they're like oh Kenny he's the leader (laughs) 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 they ask him what what position does he play he's oh no he's in a wheelchair like ah <laughs> you see yeah. the realization of ah okay so he's maybe not a threat but little do they know uh, that both yeah. their uh, significant others are trying to wangle a threesome with some 70s jazz music back at Kenny's. <laughs> so the show won two BAFTA awards uh, two Scottish BAFTAs and they tried to make a feature film um, for film four but uh, couldn't quite seem to make it happen uh, I've, I've, I've not seen the second series yet um, apart from the first couple of minutes that I watched by accident, um, but um, it'd be interesting to see where they would have where they would have taken it. I, I watched the second series when it first aired. My memories of it are quite vague. I, I remember it's not as good as the first. It it, it is a bit different. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to watching it again to see the the route they go down. But I know they go down a little bit of a different route if that makes right. sense. But still yeah. stick with, I think, the, the book group element in terms of they do read a book um, each month, but it's a, it does go a little bit different in terms of that. But no, I mean, it's a it's a shame in my mind that, that this isn't as kind of well-remembered as it, it should be. I mean, I, I think when you speak to people that do remember it, they love it, but it's not one of those things that people remember from that time, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of, as we say, Black Books, for example, or Father Ted. Yeah. And I wonder if it's because it's it's quite a difficult show to explain to people in terms of, mm-hmm. so what's it about? Well, it's about this group that they, they read a book and then they discuss it. But it's about yeah. the lives of the people that do it. It's easier to say Father Ted. It's about these three priests that live on this island and get yeah, up to yeah. scrapes. Or, or, or Black Books is easy to explain as well. Book Group is quite difficult to try and sum it up in a sentence and get people interested in it and think, hell, that sounds really good. I'll have to watch that. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, I'm surprised it's never it's never um, been adapted for the US you know, like they've done with some other shows over the years, like Red Dwarf and The Inbetweeners and they've and Faulty Towers, famously. They've I mean, they never work, though, do they? Never work, ever. Never well, work. Apart, apart from The Office. The Office is the exception to the rule. That is very true. Yeah, very true. But yeah, they they never seem to work, these, these American remakes, which is a shame. But yeah, we should... Uh... 
as you say, it's surprising because it is a, a pretty good idea and a, a mm. novel concept in terms of getting to see the lives of these people and how they interact yeah. and the, the close bond that they have over the, uh, over the six months that this is set. Yeah. Shall we put the book group through our Swarthy Awards? Why not then? Let's do it. Let's see what we can come up with today. So uh, what have we got first? Uh, well, first up, I've got the, the Bobby the Barman favourite pub award. So I think there was two. I counted there's the Corinthian, which you could yep. say, and then there's the yep. bar that Fist, Durka and Kenny drink in. Yeah, which which is the bar I chose because I've been in the Corinthian and it's not my type of place. <laughs> no, the the bar that they were in looked lovely. It's a nice little homely kind of bar, nice little wooden table in the corner by the fire. Yeah, no, it looked perfect to me. So, right, we'll choose that then, definitely. So the Ewan McGregor Award for Gratuitous Nudity, we have a tricky one this week. There's not really any gratuitous nudity, is there? There's not. Just, I mean, you've got Rab in the pool, who's naked, yeah. and, and with Jackie. Lars in bed with Durka, when he puts his leg over, he's naked as well. But you don't see anything. Yeah. So no. it's all it's all male nudity that we have in this. Yeah, so, okay. Um, I, d- I did enjoy watching uh, Fist read The Alchemist, but she's she's not quite naked. No, she's not. That scene. No. <laughs> um. I sort of answered this myself earlier on um, when we were talking about Derek Riddle, but the James Cosmo Award, I gave it to Derek Riddle. (laughs) I I don't know, actually. See, I didn't have him in my... I've got... It depends what route we're going down here. So it has to be one of the main cast, I presume, yeah? Because obviously it's it's Ian McCall who pops up as Rab's taxi driver in the second episode. But if we're talking main cast, I think... Michelle Gomez has been in more than Derek Riddle in terms of Scottish stuff. Yeah. I mean, if she, we're looking the, back. She, she's in the Kevin McKidd's sequence in The Acid House. She plays his girlfriend. And if you're speaking about maybe a character that's in more than one episode, if, if it's not the core, then the guy that plays her vicar, um, Alex yeah. Howden, he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I, I think Michelle Gomez is in uh, maybe slightly more... I felt um, like she's a bit more international. Okay, oh, fuck it. Let's give it to Derek Riddle. I don't want to argue. We'll give it to Derek Riddle. He was in Strathblair for 20 episodes, so he wins that. <laughs> okay, the uh, Jake McQuillan Award, your T-Zoot Award. What did you have here? I mean, there's not really much, again, either. There's no violence. I mean, I, I basically gave it to either Barney throwing the plate against the wall or when Kenny rolls over Fist's foot in his wheelchair <laughs> to get her to get moving. That's it. I, I didn't have anything else. Did you have something? No, I never had anything. I couldn't think of anything, really. It's just not really there's not really any explosive violence in it, is there? No. Um, okay, moving swiftly on. Uh, the Francis Begbie Award for Gratuitous Swearing. I mean, every swear word that's uttered in this is carefully placed, and yeah. the majority of them are absolute genius. I've got two that I... But there's one clear winner for me. What, what about okay. you? What have you gone I've for? I've got two. I've got two. I've got Kenny telling the, the girl at the leisure centre who's really keen on him to get to fuck when she mm-hmm. tries to kiss him. Yeah. And uh, and I've got the I've got the cunt chat. <laughs> now, have you got the the first cunt chat or the second cunt chat? Uh I'm not sure. Well, the because there's the for me the clear winner is the very first episode when Claire is explaining about the um uh the the T at the end of Kant. If you're bored, just say so. I'm bored. Barney's been talking for 15 minutes. Well, I didn't mean to ramble. 
Well, at least he's making a contribution. At least he read the damn book. Do you think I can eat it? Tuh. What? Tuh. There is a T at the end of can't. Tuh. And it's at the end of what? Tuh. And it's there for a reason. Aye, and it's on the end of cunt as well. <laughs> No, I, I do love that. I mean, the, the two, yeah, cunt episodes. Um, I also, a big shout out to uh, the last episode when Claire and Fist are kind of having a little bit of an argument and Rab says, uh, Oi, girls, we've got a fucking bereavement here. Can you calm down? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, uh archetypal scottish moment um i mean there's two that i've gone for but it has to be the scottish varieties of biscuits which is the has the snowball the caramel log and the tunnock's caramel wafer it's uh it's just beautifully all wrapped up there so that was what i went for otherwise it's uh claire when she's on the phone to our mum and she says yeah we're gonna go for a walk in the highlands and then have dinner at a castle everything is just an hour away (laughs) so the american viewpoint of scotland but uh what about yourself you go for anything I well, I settled on the biscuits as well, but I did like um, I did like how Rab kept saying "good on you, big man" to Kenny yeah. a lot in the first episode. It's there's something quite Scottish about that. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to be on that. Um, and then our last award, then the Sean Connery Awards. Who um, who won the show? Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of torn. Like that, I'm torn. I, I'm kind of torn between the three really in terms of the well, I guess the three Scottish um cast members <laughs> in terms of, you know, uh Rab, Kenny and Janice, they're all they're all so good. I I think I'd be kinda of tempted to give it to Rory for Kenny because Well, I was tempted to give it to Rory just because I know him. But to be honest, I'm leaning more towards Michelle Gomez. Mm. Like the objective part of me is like i just think she's so good she's got a bigger range in this show Mm. as well um yeah in terms of the the way that she is um the different emotions that she has to show and the different acting she does so yeah you know what i think yeah you're right i think we should give it to michelle gomez although i'm sure rory wouldn't mind sharing it with uh, (laughs) i'm sure you can oh fantastic well i'm uh i'm glad that you enjoyed the book group then I really enjoyed it. Yeah. We'll have to, uh, we'll maybe do the second series soon then uh, if we can pick up. So pick up where we left off. So, ah, good. Glad that you enjoyed that. Uh, Okay. Well, that was my choice. So uh, it's your choice next time, Greg. So what are we going to be talking about on the Swally next time? Well, this is a film that I've been keen to do for quite a long time. I've not, I think I've only seen it once. And that was around the time that it came out. Um, So for the next episode, I would like for us to watch 1999's The Debt Collector, written Ah. by Scottish, written and directed by Scottish dramatist Anthony Nielsen, starring Billy Connolly uh, in his sort of flush of uh, fame after Mrs. Mrs. Brown. Um, Ken Stott, Annette Crosby and... Uh, we Lexi himself, Ian Robertson. Oh, fantastic. I think I'm the same as you. I think I watched that when it first came out and I haven't seen it since. Um, but I remember really enjoying it. So, oh, great. Fantastic. I will look forward to that. Thank you very much, Greg. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and I hope my COVID wasn't too bad and my voice wasn't too shitty. Uh, if you liked what you heard, you can follow us on Instagram at Culture Swally Pod. Or you can follow us on Twitter at SwallyPod. Or if you've seen anything in the news you'd like us to cover, or if you want us to to cover any key piece of Scottish media that you've been dying to to see or hear us talk about uh, recently, then you can email us on 
cultureswally at gmail.com. And please feel free to give us a rating, review, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I hope you feel better soon. Thanks very much. Shake it off. I will do. Um, I'll shake it off like Taylor Swift and I'll be raring to go (laughs) for the next episode. Don't you worry. Uh, Right. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much, Greg. I'll speak to you soon. Until next time. It's tonight, the book group. I I didn't fancy the book much this time. So, what is it exactly you do in the book group? It's brilliant. We get a book, right? Uh And in the weeks leading up to the meeting, we read the book, right? And then we go to the meeting and we talk about the book. Oh, wow.